new beginning. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram, alongside Joshua Black, as usual. We also have a friend of the podcast, Justin Ram, who's here to sit in with us and possibly add a couple two cents. We'll see a little later. Um, how's everybody doing? We wanted to release this podcast, kind of like a update as far as how everything's going, how uh, the Grief Dreams journey is progressing, and it seems to be going pretty well, don't you think, Josh? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's just been a huge blessing to see the changes that have occurred since we first started this. Like, I remember, like, episode one, if you guys have been following us, we were in, who's, it was your bedroom. Yeah, we're in my right? bedroom. Yeah, you're in your bedroom, and we were passing the mic back and forth. Like, it was very... I guess, I don't know what you call that. Um, we were just playing around with it. We didn't really know what we were doing. And then as we moved forward, things started to change in the sense of uh, topics, how we sort of talked, and then what we're looking for now going into the future. So I'm, but yeah, I could go on for, for hours on this stuff. But the first thing is that there has been a huge shift in people understanding the topic. And so the, there's this awareness that's being raised through what we're doing. I think that's amazing. Um, and I said, like, I'm so grateful for all those people who are listening right now, um, who are sharing the information on the Grief Dreams website, if it's the Instagram account, the Facebook group, or listening to this, or even looking at the different articles and stuff that are up there. All that stuff's actually, it's making its way to mainstream. And I think we'll talk a little bit about that on the different shifts that you've seen in the sense of the talks and stuff that's been going on. But we actually, uh, or I just uh, came back from a Children's Grief Awareness event that I helped put on here at Brock University. And the it just wrapped up, and it, I thought it was very beautiful. And it was a way to almost give back and to help children as they move forward uh, through their loss. So in the, in the morning, we had a chance to uh, watch Inside Out, and uh, Justin was here. So Justin, what do you think about the morning event? No, the morning event was great. Um, gave kids an idea, um, simpler a breakdown of how, um, how basically feelings work how you can uh, gain those feelings back and things like that. What was your favorite character? Anger was my favorite character, <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah I really, I really <laughs> enjoyed that, um, how intense he was, and he just went completely berserk at times. <laughs> Does it reflect you in your life at all? Sorry, what Does was that? It? Does that reflect you in your life at all? Do you like anger? Um, yeah. at times, of yeah. course, uh, it, it affects all, everybody's life. Really. We, all got yeah. that, we all have that voice, that voice that at times when we want to express it, it's yeah. there waiting for us, saying, "Hey, put me in, coach." Yeah, it's time for me to yell. And uh, you know that movie. It was again, it's a really good movie to have for adults and children alike because I think understanding emotions, understanding where you're at, and and understanding how important events can be for children is a big thing and that relates to the grief aspect I think is uh, in that movie you see certain core memories I think get taken yeah. away and that's sad yeah and that's what the whole movie's about right like you have all these feelings and so like yeah like we all have anger and stuff and so the whole event was to say yes these emotions are legitimate but there's different ways you can use anger effective coping rather than bullying someone or whatnot um, you can actually use that and it's okay uh, so uh, Christina Walton talked about this. So if that's something you guys want to know more about, go back to the podcast on uh, with C Christina Walton, who talked about children's loss and that journey. So, so that was a morning event, which was like the first time we've had this, and we tried it out, and I thought it was it was really well received. And then we had a second event with a bunch of talks, and um, I thought that was uh, once again well, well received. But there are like so many different talks on children's sleep to how to deal with nightmares to bullying after loss, uh, pet loss, 
children's grief in general, and I did something on children's grief dreams. And I didn't have the information I did now back then when we talked to Christina, but it's just interesting how even children have these dreams. And the one study found 55% of children out of a sample of 125, which isn't a lot, but it's enough, um, but they have a dream of the deceased. And 90% of those dreams, the deceased was alive again, which is what you sort of find in adults. You see this alive again theme. But 10%, they weren't. And so that's saying that 10% of the dreams that children are having, the deceased is dead or dying in that dream. And that's crazy because we don't really know much about it, and we're not asking the questions. So it just gave me a new way to talk about these dreams in more detail for people who have children that have suffered a loss. Uh, so at the end of the day, it, I thought it went really well. It went a little over, so we're going to like tweak things in the future. But we're hoping like, this is going to be an annual uh, event. And you stayed too, Justin, for this event. Uh, and, yeah. yeah. Did you get anything good from it? Like, uh, yeah, I stayed uh, for the second part of it. Uh, basically, what I what I understood is that a grief, uh, a loss, uh, I understand it's a grief uh, event, but uh, loss can be in, uh, in multiple different ways, whether it be separation, divorce, moving, uh, kids changing schools, things like that. And that, uh, that really hit home, and um, I learned a lot from it. I think people across the board, you know, there's a, there is a focus on adults with what we're doing, but now is the time to kind of get at these kids and give them the tools they need to kind of progress through life and help them have easier times when they get older so that they know how to deal with grief, how to deal with loss in those capacities. And I'm glad you guys are doing that. It's great to see. Yeah, here we are. And so uh, who knows what it's going to turn out to be like next year and the year after, but it's nice that there was support from a lot of people as we move forward. Um, so that's, I think, the, last, like, the, the end of what I think we'll talk about what comes to that. But I want to start talking about our journey because that is, I think, the most yeah. important part right now. Just chatting about like where, where we came from, you know? We're at the bottom, now we're here, right? Like, I think <laughs> that's how it goes. Just, just like Drake, yeah. yeah started yeah. from the bottom, now <laughs> we're here. Yeah. I remember, so, uh, you guys, your first podcast. I was holding the mic for you <laughs> and uh, holding yeah. it between both you guys. It's so true. That was, so that was three of us good. in a tiny room. It was yeah. a sight to see. Good thing we didn't have video that time. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great journey. And, you know, as I feel like as each po- with each podcast, I think our skills get better because, you know, I'm amateur. Well, you know, we're amateurs doing this. I mean, Josh might be a little better. He does the live live uh, talks. But, you know, we get better with each time and the equipment gets better. So the sound gets better and we just have a better handle on what we're doing. And hopefully moving forward, we can, uh, you know, just get it going so it's click record and you know sounds great and everybody's happy and then we will get there so we'll, so what was the so we in the first podcast we used the just a handheld mic for the the rest what did we use what was the setup the second setup we were generally using was uh three dynamic microphones on stands and uh you know the room was a little too big you know a lot of outside noise um and again it's just this is a new, uh, kind of a new world for me as well, is kind of audio and kind of mixing and mastering and stuff like that. I realize the best mic to go for right now is a condenser microphone, which I have right now. It's a tabletop microphone. It's able to kind of cover what we need to do, and it eliminates a lot of the background noise. Um, and this is, this is the way we need to go. And hopefully in the future, maybe there's, you know, technology gets better. Maybe there's another better mic that's, you know, maybe we'll add camera next. Video. That, well, that's something we're going to talk about because I think, you know, that is a way I think a lot of people may want to see. Because you see, like, Joe Rogan and other people um, have this sort of podcast, but they also have this, like, video thing. And I, I'm thinking it can't be that difficult, or maybe it is. I don't know. Do you know anything about that world or...? Well, you know, I thought the microphone stuff was was uh, more complex than I thought, but that got easier, and I'm sure the video will be the same. I, mm-hmm. I've I've looked into it a little bit, and and 
again, technology is helping. Nowadays, you get USB plug and plays that make things a lot more easier. So, you know, that'll be the next step. We'll get on video. I think giving uh, audience more uh, information, as in body language, mm. posturing, will create a better experience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, actually, because it's just, it's just growing, and we're seeing ourselves grow. I said before, it was just an idea, and we were just playing around, and then we started seeing people download this thing. You know, like, it was just... <laughs> yeah, I have a question for you, because... Out of nowhere, this coast-to-coast interview came up. Can you explain that for listeners who aren't aware of what's going on with coast-to-coast or have heard that interview? Yeah, so it's very interesting how that even came about. So the first thing is I was, you know, front page in the local paper here. Three, actually, local papers, the Standard, Well, and Tribune, and the Niagara Niagara Falls uh, paper. And I thought, like, I, I was so grateful for that to occur. Because it was the first time I was in like in the paper, but I was actually front page. And like, how cool is that? And I thought, oh, everything's just gonna explode after that. But nothing really happened. And I was kind of, you know, I had a couple of emails, and then I had someone contact me from Darkness Radio that said, hey, you know, we saw your your thing in the paper, and they're from the states. So I don't know how they saw it, but um, they heard about me from that paper, and they said, come on. And so I went on, did a show with them. Uh, I think that's on the um, the website if you go to that. And so that was my first like live interview, which was very nerve wracking for me to be able yeah. to do that because like here we get to edit. So sometimes yes. like there's pauses, we say things that maybe you know we shouldn't say, things like that. And we can cut it out, um, or we ramble on something that doesn't mean anything. We can cut it out. But on live, it's like everything you're doing is recorded and everyone can hear. So it was very nerve wracking at first, but I did that. I got a couple of hits. A couple of people joined the Facebook group. Nothing crazy. So I'm like, oh, that was weird. You know, because I, I had this vision that it's supposed to be something. I have a vision that this platform is supposed to be a space where people from all walks of life, everywhere, is going to come to learn more about the topic. And I know it's such a, a, an interesting topic for the world, and people need it. And they, they're, I think it's been not talked about for so long. It's just an avenue for them to sort of feel safe and secure moving forward. So anyways, that being said... Um, it was about a couple months after that, I get a phone call, and it was the producers from Coast to Coast. And they just had a cancellation uh, last minute. And so it was like five hours before the show, they're saying, you know, we heard about you from the Darkness Radio people. Um, would you want to come on and talk about your research? And then we'll have open lines after. And so I first said yes, and then I'm like, what's Coast to Coast? And I started thinking about it. And I remember my brother talking about it back in the day, like when he was working night shifts. And so when I, after I said yes and, you know, and they gave me a bunch of these consent forms to, to sign, I, uh, I Googled them. And they have a crazy following. Like one of the stats was they have over 2 million views or listens to on air per week. That's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and their thing, their criteria was longer than five minutes was a, a listen, right? But it's a, that's a lot of people. And plus they have a, their own podcast, which all their episodes go on that you can listen to. So I was actually kind of nervous because I realized this is almost a moment I've been waiting for. I didn't really want to screw it up, right? Like I didn't want to like freeze. So there's a lot of like pressure your mind puts on you and say, oh, like this is your shot, right? This is like your one shot. Uh, I think Eminem has that, right? One shot. I one, don't know. No, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with that. Just Eminem. a Drake fan? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. One chance. An eight mile. Yeah, I think you think that. Anyways. I was able to, so I, so my whole thing was I had to calm myself down and just say, as long as I come from an open heart, I don't care what I say, that I'll be okay with that. And so we did it. So I went on, 
and it was at 1 a.m. It was absolutely like so late, but I was I was jacked on just like excitement, right? <laughs> I was just I probably couldn't go to bed if I wanted to. So I'm kind of glad it was last minute because if it was like a week before, I might have just been like having like acute insomnia all the way to the day, right? It's like you know people have like for their wedding and stuff they can't sleep but they get nervous and they try to like plan plan out scenarios which can really like botch. Yeah. yeah it just like it closes your heart. Sure. So. Yeah, so I got to go on and talk to George Nori, uh, and it went really well. Like, and I think a lot of people felt acknowledged through that. They felt that their own experiences were heard, and it's very difficult when people have so many different views of their dreams to not, you know, isolate any one of them. And so I think I did a good job at that. So the first one was just me and him t- talking about all sorts of different stuff, and he had he didn't have a dream, and he's always wanted one. And I thought that was interesting. So he was so into this topic, not because he had a dream, which most people are, just because he didn't have a dream and he wanted one of his uh, sister that passed away. So he was just like, he wanted no information about that side and stuff. So we had, we had a chance to talk about all that. So the second hour uh, was probably the most exciting because it was open line. It was that uh, people were able to call in. So I was taking live call-ins. Like that's, yeah. it's weird. You know, like I always do like, you know, I always like talk to people like one-on-one. But knowing that, like, maybe two million people may listen to this at some point, you got to really make sure what the advice you give and the space that you're providing is accurate because people may learn from that as they move forward and to talk about dreams with other people. So um, I heard a bunch of dreams, and I noticed at the end of the day, they just wanted to tell their story. You know, it wasn't really about me saying, oh, this was a visitation or this isn't or this is what the dream means. They just wanted to tell the dream to someone who cares and that would listen. And I thought that was very, very beautiful that that space could be provided on air. And the funny thing is after that happened, they had two hours of open lines. And so you could talk about anything from UFOs to like the politics to whatever. And people kept calling in and talk about these dreams they've had. So they've heard other people share it. So they wanted to share it. So it almost started like a ripple effect. And it was, it was, it was really amazing. Uh, the one person in particular that I remember from that was there was a gentleman who talked about he had these dreams of following his father. And the physician that he was seeing said that those dreams were because of the medication he was on. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah and uh, that was the first time I got that. You know, like, I've never heard that before. I knew it was out there, but I've never heard it before. He answered it very well because, again, like, just listening to what you're saying... I can imagine it being very difficult to be put on the spot like that because, you know, I would assume knowing you outside, mm-hmm. you'd want to prepare, you want to do a little bit of thinking beforehand before you would answer someone because yeah. of, you take it so seriously. Yeah. But you did such a good job answering these individuals, not completely, but mm-hmm. with the time allotted. And I think that was the key because you left them feeling good. You didn't want to, you didn't want to leave them not feeling better. Yeah. Yeah, you want to comfort them. And that was, and I didn't know how much time I was going to get. Like, they didn't really prep me too much other than there's these yeah. call-ins, right? And then I realized that they, they they allow people to ask a question. I can respond. Then they cut them off. So you, sometimes you don't even get a response of, like, was that helpful? Like, Because well, I usually, when I talk, it usually goes on for, like, half hour or something. I mean, you got, like, two minutes with this person to talk uh, on that sort of dream or that, that thing. So anyways, the, the guy... Um, found, well, he, his biggest concern was his, dream, his dreams. His physician was saying that it was because of medication and basically was devaluing them. And he thought they were meaningful. And there was a great conflict because he looked up to 
this individual because he's a doctor and we all do, right? We go there for help and you think they know everything. But at the end of the day, there's so little research in this area. No one knows anything, so they just talk, yeah. right? And so this person was just talking, not out of expertise, but almost just out of, I think, um, discipline to sort of push the person away. Medication is a lot of stuff. It's a quick yeah. answer because if you don't say medication, what are you left with? Right? They're going to say, I don't know, and they don't know how to handle that. So they, they want to sort of have a reason for it, and they push it away at the same time to go on to the next thing. And I would have a question to that. Like, okay, so dreams that are induced by medication are still dreams, right? Like, they're not like, okay, well, the medication is, I mean, the medication yeah. might be warping them a bit. Yeah, it can change sort of maybe like uh, the tone of them. It can make them probably maybe more vivid, stuff like that. But overall, this person was having the same dream over and over again of following his father. And his father was leading them somewhere. And so I said to him, as if maybe you guys have listened already, but I just said to him, you know, like, there's no research that says medication causes dreams of deceased. If so, that was the case, people, there'd be millionaires. Because people would be buying these, I would be buying these drugs constantly to try to, you know, induce that dream. But that's not the case. So they gave that person, that doctor, physician, gave really bad advice. And so it was my job to correct that. And so I just gave him the space to say, hey, it's whatever you want want to. Like, that answer was incorrect. I know that. What is that dream? I don't know. That's up to you to decide. But I can tell you through my own story my in life that uh, grief is a journey in itself. And it was a journey of opening my heart. Because as much as I was kind, I guess, when I was younger, I wasn't like this. I didn't have compassion like I have now. Now that I've suffered a loss. And so I think the same thing's going to go on with that guy, which is about learning to love in a new way and learning to sort of appreciate life in a new way and it's a great journey um, about that and I think his, his father's loss will do that for him and so anyways he um, found it very helpful and I think he posted in the group afterwards too about um, how it was pr- like it answered his prayer that he had and I thought that was always you know like to, to know like I, I, I pray um, quite frequently about different things, usually about opening my heart, keep my heart open, stuff like that, as I did for the, the podcast uh, or for the Coast to Coast interview. And for to be at the other end of that, you know, so at the end of a prayer, I had a different feel to it. I'm like, like I was being used almost to help another. And, and I thought that was just interesting. It really caught me off guard, actually, the impact of that. It's like I was almost being used as a vessel to help someone else. And I always see when I pray, I see how other people help, but I never saw myself as that until like that moment and it really like clicked. So I thought that was really interesting and it sort of it shifted almost the way I feel now I'm being used in the world, you know? So it's not like an ego thing, like I got to get out there. It's like, no, like people will find me when it's the right time for them and the knowledge will spread. And it's just to be able to be that beacon for those people at that time. Um, to say, normalize the experience, to give them the voice that they, you know, I think they, they seek. And there's all sorts of different grief dreams that we've heard about from the people on the podcast. If you're in the part of the grief dreams group, you see a ton. A lot of them are, and what people post are very comforting to them. Other people, there's, you know, uh, they're negative. But I said there's only like 10%, 20% of people that actually have these negative dreams. So they're less frequent, um, but they still do occur. And, at, and it's just providing a space for that. And it's okay to say, I don't know. I've said that many times. I don't know. But, you know, I always come back with, what does it mean to you? Why is it, you know, in your waking day state? Like, how does that affect you as you move forward? So there's different ways to, like, process this stuff other than what does my dream mean or anything like that, because I can't give you that. But I can sort of help you explore maybe what it, what it can represent in your waking life um, or what that dream does to you in your waking life moving forward. 
from listening to the podcast, and I listened to it a little later than when it was aired, I think October 7th or 8th. 11th. 11th it was actually aired live, and I listened a couple weeks after. Um, And I got that vibe where you came across as heartfelt, you came across as humble, you came across as legitimately trying to help people and having a purpose um, on the show. I was very impressed because, again, like like you said, what, five, six hours they told you in advance to come, <laughs> yes. come out and do this? Um, that was one of the best representations, I think, of what you're doing. Like, listening mm. to it, like, you explained it perfectly. You know, you were, again, kind, humble. George Nori, that's his name, yeah. uh, really nice guy. He seemed very engaged. He was, And that yeah. was a part of it. You can tell that he himself, like, was coming from an open space also. The way he... He felt even for my own loss, and he felt for others. Like there's some people that when you talk to, it's like, okay, this is just a thing. It doesn't actually mean much, but to him, it really meant a lot. And he, I think, he understood it was his own loss. He had this extra compassion, so he was asking the questions out of um, almost like a heart space, is the best way to put it. And he was, and he gave space for those callers to come in and talk about their own loss and their journey through the dream. So yeah, it was uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I was so grateful for the opportunity. Um, as you said, like on the show, he said he wanted to be back on, talk about some other stuff, new research that comes out. He wants to be a part of that. He even wants to be a part of the research, which is kind of cool because he wants to know, right? Like, why doesn't he have these dreams? He wants to sort of maybe uh, do some different things or things I work on in the future, maybe to help explore that a little bit more. And he was willing to do that. So at the end of the day. I thought it went really well. I said, like, it was, you know, I'm glad that you, you saw that too. Because um, it's from an outsider's perspective looking in. And we saw that from the all the people that wanted to join the Facebook group. Yeah. Right after that show, uh, it was like a watershed. <laughs> was... The doors were opening and a lot of people yeah. were joining. I got a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only got worried because I thought, how how is Josh going to answer all these people? But you know what? I mean, you're amazing. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, maybe... Yeah. The, you probably are not spending the time you want on it, but yeah. you know you still touch everybody. You talk to everybody. You try to give them a little bit of a, a, a perspective on their mm-hmm. dream, which is which is key. You know and that's beautiful to see. Yeah, I thought I wasn't really as much as like yeah they had this many followers and stuff. I thought oh they listen. You know like when it actually happened, like the day after cause I was so tired after after that phone call. Uh, it was like at three a.m. I stopped. Then they, there was a caller on the other line that didn't get through that really wanted to. So then I called that person, um, and we chatted for about 40 minutes about his journey and experience, which was, I think, a, a beautiful experience for me to be able to help someone else on that road. But I didn't actually get to bed till like, probably 5 a.m., 4.30 or 5 a.m. And it was really funny because um, I was just – I had actually acute insomnia after that. Because I was so grateful for the experience. I just, like, would lie in bed and smile, and I just couldn't. It's like it's like thinking you're going to go to, like, Wonderland or it's Christmas the next morning, over and over. It's like Groundhog Day, like over and over again. I just couldn't sleep. And it was just such an interesting experience because I never really had. It's like something I've always envisioned um, for it to occur, but it just the flood of emails that came. I got hundreds of emails of people, and, like, I had to take the time to respond to each one. And they were all so different. They were, and some of them were very beautiful, comforting. Some people gave me like a couple dreams to showcase how they changed over time. Other people had other questions, and you know, other people wanted interviews and stuff like that. Um, but I pushed those people away till January because just just too much stuff going on in my life. So to have that, and then have the the Facebook group blow up to like I think we had like two fifty. Now it's at seven fifty. So 
I'd have like 500 people come on and people are joining every day. And like, I don't know where they're even coming from these days. So it's like knowledge is being spread. And I, I'm just like, what a great opportunity they had to be on that show. Cause it really showcases the effect that some of these doing someone's podcast or doing a radio show can actually do more than I think some of these academic conferences I go to. I'll do it. Maybe I'll get one person, two people. So they're interested, but a lot of them don't have Facebook. A lot of people don't have the Instagram. And so you're just getting a different market that actually has those tools that they use constantly to actually utilize the services that we're providing at the Grief Dreams uh, website, right? And it feels very organic to me because, uh, you know, people are adding or are joining and they're, you know, they're very, what I've noticed is people are very kind to each other, especially mm-hmm. in the group. Yeah. Um, people are accepting of other people's dreams. They're uh, welcoming people into the group. And I uh, love to see that because it's kind of like the community is taking care of itself. You know, it doesn't really require you to go in there and start things off mm-hmm. all the time or comment all the time. Other people can join in and kind of embrace the whole uh, group uh, aspect that fa- that the Facebook provides. Yeah, like when I first happened, like I was just so used to like commenting on everyone's. But like the moment it happened, like right away, there's like 400 people. I woke up. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, did I miss something? Like, what did that really occur? And to have to accept each one. And so I'm looking at the names and like, you know, their friends and like groups and like, I'm like, like date of birth is all on there when you're accepting them. And you're like, wow, they just kept going on. Probably for an hour, I'm just accepting people. <laughs> like, and like the feeling, like, it's just like, I, I just couldn't believe it. Like, like a celebrity. I, well, it's <laughs> almost like I think, you know, there's in a way a lot of people look up to me or are looking up to me just to give them the acknowledgement, right? Like here I am as a researcher, but like there now there's because I was on that, the show that they listen to. Like on a regular basis, it's almost like, oh, yeah, you're like it upped the the celebrityness of who I am. Right before, I'm just a guy doing research, but now a guy doing research that was on the show they listened to. It's like being on Oprah or something. Like just being on the show gives you like a different set of um, eyes for the audience, right? Like, oh, okay. And so because of that, like it was just it was crazy. And then there was such a flood. I had there was over a hundred people posting their dreams, so I really had to cut it down to like twenty a day. And that lasted for like, what, like two weeks or something. And then finally it's starting to slow down. But people that didn't post are now posting. So we're getting like still three or four a day that's coming through. And yeah, they're still supportive. I'm so amazed by it all and amazed to all those people. If you're listening that are on the Facebook group, thank you for being a supportive group to each other, liking it, commenting on their stuff, just allowing everyone else to feel acknowledged. Because you're right, like I don't have to comment as I used to all the time. And now I'm stepping back a little bit, letting people comment. I'm still reading the stuff, but allowing them to comment. I'll put my own thing in, like, after the fact. Before, I wanted to be the first one, so they knew. But now I don't have to be, you know? Like, I can sort of see the thing is taken off on its own direction. And I can just sit back, and if there's anything, if I do have to share, I will. If not, I'll just like the thing. I don't have to actually comment on the page or on the dream anymore. So, yeah, it was just, it was fabulous, like, I know I'm still in shock just even talking about it with you. Like, it's bringing back, like, how fast things can change. And I think, and probably in your life, it's just, like, there's moments in your life where, like, you, a lot of times it's death, how fast things can change. But it can also be a positive. How fast, like, there's a light switch went on or just something went on that it's taking, it's like it has its own legs now. It's like all the work that, like, we as a team, the Grief Dreams team, has done and it was like a, a slug. It was like, it was a slow process. You know, just trying to figure out when is this going to take off? It's been, I've been doing this for five years now, right? Website's been up for, what, two, two and a half yeah. years now. 
And so now it's, I think, got to a stage of, you're saying like it's more legitimate now because the numbers are around 700. It's giving it a different look. I think the people even wanting to join because there's this community now that's even bigger. Um, and a bunch of said, like at the end of the day, I got, we can talk about all sorts of different stuff, but the experience of things growing, it's like watching a baby grow or a plant grow. It's like we've put the soil in just right, and now we're seeing the sprout. And it's like there's a beauty in that that I still can't express with words, but it brings me almost to tears how grateful I am to be the one to be able to see this. Because a lot of time we live our life, and we've, we don't see those moments. But this is like a moment I'm so grateful to, to experience. And it's a topic, uh, me personally, I can stand by, and you could stand by, you know, there's no, uh, yeah. it's doing a lot of good work for people. It's, it's, it's something that we always talk about was needed. Um, now, moving forward, is, has our goal changed? Is the goal different now, or is same, same goal? I don't even know what the goal is anymore, like, because the goal was for it to just be its own entity, like, for especially the Facebook group, for it to be their own entity, to you know, raise awareness on the topic. And I feel like that there's enough information if someone Googled, that stuff will come up and lead them to the website. So it's like that hard work to try to get it out there to get people when they search to actually find it. I think, I think it's there. And so now what is the goal? You know, like as you move forward, that's a good question. I don't know. Like I'm still doing the research here. So I'm still doing that research part, but now we get to play around with different other things. Can we tweak this? Like I said, with the sound, we wanted to make that better. Um, so we have the content there. So if anyone wants to listen, they can listen to it. It's not the best quality, but it's still there. You know, yeah. it's still if they really want to listen, it's there. But now it's like reaching a different market of like now it's like we're gonna like legitimize ourselves on every aspect of the of the team and and our and our stuff. So for for us and what we're doing with the grief dreams, the sound is very important for people to take it more seriously. I think that's what we're just going. Yeah. I think we're just going to do is like allowing people to realize this is actually a serious aspect of life and a serious, I don't know what you call it, corporation or whatever it is. It's just a serious thing that now we're invested in, but a lot of other people are too. And by seeing that growth, I think people can see um, that it actually is a, almost a, a movement. I think there's just that movement shape towards it. Yeah, I can see, I can see the movement uh, gaining steam uh, for sure. With all the, the podcasts that we're going to be going forward, and doing, as well as the different new exciting guests that we're bringing on. Uh, I think we have a lot of uh, content, you know, and the content's getting better and I'm excited because I feel like we're bringing on more and more guests. I loved mm -hmm. the guests that we've had so far and I love talking to them. And I mean, the world's wide open for who we can bring on. And w one thing yeah. that, you know, we wanna make the content better so that the listeners don't, can focus on it. The listeners mm -hmm. can focus on it, get whatever little tidbit that you can get from it, right? Because listening to each show, you know, you might not gain everything, but there might be one little thing that you can gain. And we want to be with you on that journey so that each new podcast, each content that we're bringing forward, build that community and get better as individuals and help make sense of our own world and grief dreams while it's at it. Yeah. And I think, you know, as even looking at the podcast, like everyone has to be local right now. Um, and I think that's an issue because there's some people who have wonderful stories that we just haven't tapped into that and we can't reach them yet. And we want to bring them on the podcast, give such a powerful story or such a powerful journey through their loss. And I think that's one aspect I think as we, in the new year, we're going to try out of doing Skype or recording through Skype because it just, it allows the content to be different. I think that's what we were talking about, right? Like always bringing new content, right? That's right. And hey, why not that we can get some callers coming in, some, uh, you know, some guests from Facebook, maybe mm -hmm. expressing their dreams, because a lot of interesting dreams being shared right now. 
So, you know, the p- potential's there. And, and again, this is our goal going forward. You know, we want to build better content and, you know, really have an organic, authentic movement. Mm, I really want, like, Martin Dunn. I just saw a shout-out to Martin Dunn. Uh, he writes a book, a comic book, called Joshua Black. And this was before we met, so it's not like he wrote it about <laughs> me. But, like, I can't wait to have him on because he, you know, gave me some advice when it comes to the podcasting because he's done this journey. But um, he, we met right before we did, like, right before the podcasting. I sort of, you know, co- like, I realized he had this comic book and he had suffered some loss in his own life. And so he was willing to be on the podcast. We just never found a way to correct the sound enough to then go to Skype. So one of the first people I know we're going to have on is, is him to talk about his comics and his world through loss. And be just such a different perspective on, like, who makes comics anymore? You know, like, it's such a, a distinct field that it's not like you go to school for that. I can't really see it. Like, we had a lot of researchers on, but it's just a different um, profession that I think a lot of people can learn from. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's one of those things where it just shows you, like, each walk of life, there's people who are so different and yet share the same common thing, which is loss, which is grief, and potentially dreams mm. that come from that. So we all, all these different people, all these different listeners, you know, I really like the fact that, you know, you can have somebody who's, you know, whatever, in their 20s mm-hmm. and listening and they do this. And then you can have someone who's in their 30s or 40s or 50s. Yeah. That's great because, again, we all come together on that commonality. It's very unique. Mm. Yeah. It, it truly is. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see what we're doing. You're even talking about doing video, right, in the future. And so and what do we do in the future? I think we're just going to expand on what, what we've already done, make things a little bit better, clearer, especially with the podcast. I'm probably doing a, a, a ton more, like, interviews through radio because I realize I don't have to, like, go anywhere, right? I don't have to pay anything to go to the conference. And so for me, I'll probably be doing a, a bunch more podcasts for other people um, and getting more, I think, uploading more podcasts. And now that we have the... Hopefully this audio is the best yet. And then because of that, we can do like two a month and just really like keep a, a consistency to it. Because before, like you said, like we, we did a couple and like there'd be a month that maybe we didn't put one on and it'd be a month we'll have two. So just have a consistency with it. Um, and then maybe even start having like sponsors to sort of uh, help us pay for the gear that we're, that we're using. Um, and so who knows like how that's gonna go, but there's just so many new possibilities and then we have the confidence to know, yeah, people are actually listening. So what's that feel like for you, Sean? Because I know, like, this was, like, your baby. Like, you really wanted to do this. And you said, and yeah, it was. And, like, you do the sound. You do a lot of stuff. I just talk, and then I go back to doing the research. But you do a lot of, like, the um, back, uh, what, what do you call it? The, behind uh, the scenes. Behind the scenes. There we go. Justin's back talking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> behind the scenes work that a lot of people don't know. And I don't have the time for that. But you put so much effort into that. So... For you, how do you how did you see this, right? Because I know like your confidence in yourself must have grown from seeing people listening to actually listening to stuff that you're putting together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I can be very critical on myself in terms of the equipment and and you know uh, audio quality. I was really hard on myself about that, so I wanted to make sure that the listener had a chance to get the best audio quality sound. So I feel a little better right now. I mean, like the anxieties were always there about, you know. When, when I make something, I want to make sure it's good. And especially when you have all these people listening and, you know, really having it touch their hearts, I don't want quality issue to be an aspect of their experience. So now that it's gotten a little better, um, I feel good about that. I also feel uh, it's amazing to watch the viewership, the numbers. Um, that's been a big surprise to me as well. Um, 
I don't, not that I've been in this very long, but I've, I don't think I've ever seen something kind of grow like that so quickly. And also, like I said, authentically, mm. that's been a pleasure to see. And it's also, it's very touching when you go on the Facebook page or when I heard your uh, Coast to Coast radio program and I heard people call in, it's touching to hear their stories. It's, it gives you that really good feeling, to be honest, because when they express themselves, when they talk about their dreams and then they talk about after, usually it's a good feeling and usually they feel a little better. To me, that's amazing. And it's still very surprising for me to hear all the stories, you know, you don't hear about people's lost stories all the time. And mm. it's, I, I think it has a really important place in society in everyday kind of regular language. I think it's, it should have a place in common dialogues. You know, we, we kind of, we stick with our mechanical thought processes and our mechanical things. You talked about that before, you know, how's the weather, how's mm. this? Yeah. Hitting to the heart of the subject, like a law story is, uh, it's amazing to be a part of that and hear it all. So that's been my journey. I just been really, I mean, I feel blessed to be able to be a part of this and I just want to keep, uh, helping, uh, put out good stuff, good content. Yeah. And I think like I said, like you didn't really know much of this field when you signed up to do po these podcasts with me, right? Like you're just like, I want to do this thing. You know? I'm like, learning as well. Yeah. And, and, and we talk about different dreams people have. As much as I say there's common themes, which I just, the article just got published. So if you just listen to this, if you go on the website, um, if you go under Joshua Black, the contact stuff, if at the very bottom after my bio, there's a bunch of articles. And so the new article just got published this month and it talks about these common themes. So even though these themes may be common, all the details within the dream is very different. So I'm always learning new things from people sharing. And so just as much as like you're learning, I'm also learning. I've probably seen over a thousand dreams and they're all different. Like, and just like, it's fat, it's just absolutely fascinating to me on, you know, the, how everyone's life is different, how their bonds different with their loved one, how that manifests in the dream. It's, it's interesting. It's so interesting to me. That's why I don't know if I'll ever get sick and tired of this field just because it's always new. There's, I don't know, like, I don't know any other field that's just like new information all the time, you know, like, but in the dream world, anything's possible. So it's really hard to sort of say, this is what's going to happen because the images are always different based on your whole life journey. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, people are, you know, dreams are amazing. Obviously they're like movies or like, you know, f fantastical visionary. And now people are expressing their individual dreams. So mm -hmm. they're like telling their unique stories in their dreams. They didn't consciously make that up. Some people, they can't make that up. Like even if they tried, yeah. you wouldn't be able to make like a, the type of dreams and images people have been sharing. I can't make that stuff up. So <laughs> right, it's gotta yeah. be, that's an amazing, like unconscious <laughs> storytelling <laughs> yeah. almost. I'm entertained. Well, even a lot of people that have these like dreams, these comfort dreams, they'd say, I would never have thought to put those words in that sentence to affect me that way, and which is fascinating. So like, even when people try to build the dream or a dream they want and they share it with me, it's never like the dreams that happen because there's such a short period, a window period. So it's like, they gotta be looking a certain way, dress a certain way, smile a certain way. And then they say something, usually one or two lines. And that's when they wake up and feel like this comfort, but they, the, the way they put the words in order um, it's just, it's absolutely fascinating. So the person itself would say, wow, like I wouldn't, cause if they thought they would have done that, I think it wouldn't be as impactful. So there's like a mysterious way that's, or something unique going on there when it comes, especially with the language. You've been posting the, a lot of those, uh, the memes on Instagram, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So Good old Instagram. I, 
yeah, those seem to have those type of, you know, the curious syntaxes. Yeah. Like how the words are formed. Like the, chil- the last one I read was like a children was talking about her dream, a child yeah, was talking yeah. about her dream. She says something very interesting. I forget. I'm sorry. I forget. Yeah, check out the Instagram page, yeah. Grief Dreams. But I want to talk about the Instagram page because that's another sort of platform that we're, I guess, like doing. And uh, I remember opening it up, I, I think it was in July or something, very starting it out, not knowing anything about Instagram. But I had like friends that said, you know, you should, you should probably start doing this. So I had like 12 people I knew at the time. So I had like, I started this off, there's 12 people. Now there's over, there's almost 300 people on this thing, which is absolutely crazy for me. And so by doing hashtags, stuff like that, people are finding their way to the Instagram page. And like, I think that's amazing. Like, there's no marketing. Like, like at the end of the day, it's just like these hashtags, but it's like the, how powerful hashtags can be. Like, I don't look at yeah. other hashtags, but I guess other people do. I'm still they learning about that word. Yeah. I'm, I'm still <laughs> learning about that world, sorry. Yeah, um, but how much that's grown. Yeah in such a short time, you know? And like one of the guests that's been on here before, Jade, uh, she talked about, and you look at her Instagram, there's over 3,000 followers. And she said, yeah, which is a lot. I'm like, wow, you know? It's crazy. And she just posts a lot of like loving stuff, right? About just, you know, opening your heart and stuff like that. And she said the, when she started, it was slower. And uh, she she said, by the time like where I, where we are now with the Grief Dreams one, she had maybe 100. And so she's like, the projection of where you're going with this is much greater than where she's at. And it's been like a couple of years. So I'm like, wow, let's even think about maybe in a year we'll have, you know, a thousand people on Instagram. It's just, it's absolutely, we're getting to these almost these milestones now that I just shake my head and like, how is this even possible? Like, how do we even get here? Like the grief dream stuff, you look at, it's hard to know the numbers. I think maybe you know more about that than I, but just downloads itself, we have over 800. And so, what, 200 more? Like, we're at 1,000 downloads on Podbean? Like, Yeah, that's it's amazing, too, knowing that we've only had, like, maybe six, seven up at a time, knowing that the, the first initial podcast didn't have a great quality. So just with what we have, it's been a tremendous amount of support. Uh, yeah, it's amazing to see that. So, yeah, I know we're going to do some some pretty cool, interesting things when we get to these milestones for our different fans in different places. And I'm guessing we're going to start buying some swag, some Grief Dream swag. Um, and I can't wait to sort of do that. Because like, it is. It's like, it's a community thing. And I want to sort of, I think we all want to sort of, you know, give back to those people who have supported us throughout this journey. And I think I'm really kind of excited about what kind of swag to do, what, what kind of gifts to give away. How do you give those away? And those would be fun little creative ideas. Yeah, that'll yeah. be interesting. Yeah, we got a couple. I know in the Children's Grief Dreams uh, workshops, you have uh, dream catchers, which are pretty mm. cool, pretty popular, I think. Yeah. What's so special about them? I know we talked about them before, but what's special about the dream catchers again? Well, um, the, well they have this sort of that story about them, about like how it, they catch negative dreams and they only allow the good ones to come to you uh, when you're asleep. But I think when, you're, when you make them, because I, I don't make them like the legitimate way with they have the the leather and stuff i really am into making them as kid style because that's something that we don't do as adults is play enough and so by using pipe cleaners as instead of having the leather around mm-hmm. the the circle um by putting like different letters and and beads in the dream catcher and having like the feathers but also having pipe cleaners as uh, the string that holds the feather just makes it more childlike and fun. And I just did a talk at Free Families of Ontario, uh, the Hamilton thing. They had a, 
volunteer appreciation event. And so I did the talk and then I did this dream catcher thing with like people who were like, you know, 50 and older, right? So I didn't know how it was going to play out, but they actually started talking about their loss by doing this thing. And then the person who was there, Kimberly Ryan, she said it was like a mindful activity. And so some people meditate, other people, you know, they, they, they wash their dishes, but this activity, they, they draw now is a big thing for mindfulness, right? But they're actually using these dream catchers and you could tell this that the anxiety level was lower. They're chatting about the loved ones and why they're choosing certain beads. And it was just a new way of talking about loss through these dream catchers. And I'm like, I never even envisioned that, you know? Um, but I'm like, wow, what a cool little new thing. And I'm always finding little new things that are connecting with people like adults and bringing them back to a place of innocence, you know? like. Like especially having fun. I always, I think we talked about this in the in the uh, other podcast about how children's dreams. There's a lot of playing going on with the parent, if that's what they had, or even friends. But when it comes to adults, we're not playing. There's no tag. Like there's no hiding behind trees. It's like we're talking, or we're walking, and talking, or we see them reading or something. But we're not playing, you know. And so that's like as much as I do my talks, I also try to help people in their life, and I think get back to a place of playing again. You know? Yeah, and it's so critical for children, right, in their development. Mm. So if it's so critical, you think that it have an important part as well, or at least a, a little bit of a part in adult life. That's something we should be holding on to as well. Back to the dream catchers, what I liked about it is that, you know, the adults were kind of getting something out of it, learning yeah. something out of it, and the kids were getting something out of it. It's like almost, I mean, that would be the perfect activity, you would think, that if there's a death in the family, you know, and instead of ignoring the kids or putting them in the basement or, you know, giving them mm -hmm. some toys or movie to watch, including them a little bit in the grief process and say, hey, let's make some green dream catchers. Let's tell some stories about yeah. fill in the blank. I think that'll be actually pretty good with the book that we have, the Dream of Owl book that's on the website. Um, to maybe have, like, to give the tool, like, the, the beads, the stuff, like, with that book would be kind of really cool. And so the one thing we haven't talked about is that book. So I've uh, sent a, I guess, a query letter, it's called, to three different agencies. And so I'm supposed to hear back by January on that. So, because uh, we're looking to, this is a third, we got to start printing again because we basically gave away or sold over 350 um, books right now of Dream of Owl, which is crazy to me. So I only have like 20 left, actually 15 now after we did this event here. Um, and so we're going to have to either order some more um, but at the same time, like I, that's not my goal. I don't want to sell these things. I, I want to put them on Amazon, but that looks bad on like for an agent because they want to be the first ones to put it up there. And so, oh, okay. right. And I want it to be like a hardcover book. I want to be more professional. And so I, I hope I got a good feeling that, you know, something will come about because like, everything is shifting to like, this is needed, this is wanted. So why wouldn't that also come to to fruition so you know maybe in january we have you know an agent actually be a part of that and then they make this book into something more and they can put that in there the material they can put even how to build a dream catcher within that book so all the tools are there for adults and parents when they get that book to to do that they don't need to call me and like how do i do whatever it's like it's all there that's yeah. a great idea i could see in the future some sort of like grief dreams like bundle mm that you know for kids or something like yeah. that or even adults but like adults, you know yeah. that, that could help people when there is times of loss or crisis that hey what do i do oh what do i do with the kids you know how do mm -hmm. i explain this well you know that might be something that can help help you out and help your kids understand something like that mm -hmm. and it's interesting because I, you know, I do all these talks and this one person said oh i i bought your book recently and i read it to myself as if it was reading to a kid and she's like and i got a certain thing out of it 
And then she said, then I reread it as I was reading it to myself, and I got something different. And she said it was so unique, and she was so grateful for the book because it can be read two different ways based on who you're reading it to. I think that's amazing. And it's just only like, I think, 10 pages or something. Um, but it, in those words, like the dream, the words are, I think, just positioned in such a way that it has that impact on people. I'd say, even though it's a kid's book, right? Absolutely. What's, uh, do you have anything going on in the future? Anything planned coming up? Uh, just, I said, like the, the research uh, is, is moving. So we have the data for the two different studies on one on the pet loss and one on uh, spousal or romantic partner loss. So we've got to analyze that data and get a manuscript out there. And that, so that's really cool because it's going to be, why do you, what factors predict dreaming of the disease? And that's a question a lot of people are, keep saying and keep asking. So we actually have some answers to those people. I think that will be big. And I think that will hit the media and explode a little bit because it's such a unique study. It's like, you know, you see those like small studies on like news programs about, you know, they quick, a quick like data shot on like, oh, this is a study that was done uh, and yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I can see that being one of them because it's so unique and so different. And a lot of people would be interested in that from, from different angles, right? So that's the big thing. And I'm continually doing talks, right? So I have two talks this month and probably booking some more in the future. So it's just, it's just a constant stream. And the more busy I get, the less time I have for me. So was, the big thing was I'm finding is I have to learn to balance my life, like having fun with this sort of platform, with school, with all that sort of stuff. So uh, I'm really glad that this event's now over because pl- I had to plan though. Like I was really planning a lot of it. So. Now that's more free, and I'm stepping back. I'm learning to step back from the, the, the Facebook group a little bit, right? Um, it's giving me more time to say, okay, recognize what's most important. That's for me to stay healthy and to keep an open heart because I, if I'm sleep-deprived trying to, like, help someone with their dreams. It's not going to be the same way as if I'm joyful saying, hey, like, you're just a different person, you know, and you value different things. So at that day, it's like really, you know, balance that out. So hopefully I want to go to, isn't there a jump park here, uh, Justin, that we're going to go to? Trampoline something? Sky, Sky Zone. Sky Zone. Yeah. yeah. So I heard about this trampoline. Oh, God. I've been to that. One yeah. caution from my experience, keep, protect your ankles. It's easy to roll an ankle there. Oh, really? Oh, I rolled my ankle there once. It was bad. <laughs> Good to know. So be careful. We're, we're not young. You know, we're at that age where That's things uh, have a harder time to heal. I'll bring my uh, ankle braces or whatever. Yeah. Uh, used for basketball. That's it. But just, like, different things to have fun now. And, like, my, my term's winding down. And so I'll have Christmas break coming up. So... Um, but that's the main thing for me as I move forward is to continue to remember that, you know, like have fun, you know, like don't take as much as this is growing. Don't take it so seriously and be concerned about like the outcomes. It's going to grow the way it's going to grow. And we just have fun while you're doing it, you know? Absolutely. I think it's understanding, uh, you as a person, your individual, what does Josh need to get better, to be revitalized, to be that energy that other people need and, me personally, you know, I need to be alone for a little bit. I need mm. to take a bath. I need to meditate. I need to do yoga, whatever it is. That'll get me out of that crazy mechanical mindset and back into the clarity of, you know, like a mind that's been refreshed and renewed. And that's the place you want to be when you are, are doing a lot of these things. And mm. these are passion projects, right? Yeah. I want to keep the energy and be passionate. I don't want to be tired doing something that I'd love to do. Right. So yeah. take care of ourselves. And so I just want to ask you, uh, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast yet, but have you suffered any kind of loss in your own life? 
Yeah, we touched upon it. I have suffered loss. I've had some grand. Uh, both my grandparents passed away. Both my uh, grandfathers. Uh, I have one grandmother who's still alive. Uncles, stuff like that. And I, although I don't recall any dreams, um, I have been through grieving processes at a young age too. Mm. So I, I was fortunate where. My family and my mom, she's really open with that stuff. You know, yeah. she gave me a little talk about it. I remember going to a funeral home and like, you know, uh, my mom would um, encourage me to touch my grandfather, you know, touch his hand oh. in the casket. Yeah. Stuff like that was important for me to kind of wrap my head around grief and death and stuff like that. That's interesting. And so you said you never had a dream. No, so if dream. we asked a lot of other people this, right? Yeah. So since you haven't, what kind of dream would you want and with who? That's a great question. Um, my One of my grandfathers who passed away last year, um, he died at an older age, 90 or so, but uh, I was closer to him um, than any other any of the other grandparents. And I would like to get a grief dream with him, see how he's doing. I'm sure he's doing fine. I mean, you know, I'm sure what would that look What would that look like? Like, like, you know, like we put other people on the spot. So if you really could sit down, like what kind of dream would that be? Like where would you be? Like first of all, where would you be? That's a good question. Where would I be? Uh, Do you have a favorite? I don't think place matters for me as long as I'm comfortable or secure. So that you'd be white water rafting? And <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> yeah. Right right before bungee jumping, I'd like <laughs> yeah. to see my grandfather. But uh, no, nah, you're sitting on a couch, you know, nice. just maybe a fire, a little warmth. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm pitching. All it. I would really want is maybe a couple sentences. Mm. Nothing, you know, because I know dreams are vague, anyways. <laughs> so I can't expect a paragraph of like, explaining what things are like or this or that. I just want a sentence or two. It'd be like, hey, I'm chilling or something like <laughs> that. You know, like I, it is what it is. I you know. I, I don't. The way he passed, like mm. he, he was, he was a, a minister, and you know, he was really into uh, Christian religion for a long time. And, uh, you know, the later years of his life were spent visiting, you know, people and praying and preaching and, you know, just a lot of happiness in the mm-hmm. later years. Other than, you know, he had some bron- bronchial uh, diseases. But yeah. overall, you know, he lived a pretty good life, pretty decent life, and I think he accomplished his tasks. So that death has a different kind of significance for me because mm-hmm. it's more of like, okay, it's time for him to rest in peace and next stage. I always think about the next step, and I think my grandfather was ready to move on. Oh, I see. So there's a lot of happiness around his death, to be honest. A lot of like good feelings. It wasn't really that, like, it wasn't that sad for me. Mm-hmm. So you seeing this as like a visitation dream? Like, is that because you keep saying? Yeah, I would say okay, I would see like, a visitation okay. dream. You'd say like in that sort of atmosphere and that vividness and that quality. So is there something you'd want to know about the afterlife? Like, is there a question you have? You said like you don't really have a lot that you want him to say, but yeah. like. Usually a lot of these dreams, when it comes sure. to grief who dreams, doesn't want to know about the afterlife? Right? It's based on questions we yeah. have. A lot of the answers they give us are based on questions we have. And uh-huh. so, right, so do you have any questions about that? Like, is there any, like... I would like to know what, what's there. What is it? Is it another, like, you know, life? Are, are we just resetting? Are you forgetting mm. your past life and jumping into a new one? Is it heaven? Is it, God, hopefully not hell? Is it, like, <laughs> You're right. you know, what is that situation? Is it just... Uh, purgatory? Is it just? Yeah. Is it just dead air? Is it just silence? Oh, interesting. I don't know. So it's almost because he comes from a uh, Christian yes. faith. It'd be cool for. I'm just thinking about like him to s- talk about that. Yeah. Was it actually the, the vision he had of heaven or whatever the same as what it is? Yeah. You know that'd be interesting. That'd be cool to right? see too. Yeah, it? like to say, oh, how does it differ from what we see it as here on this plane? That'd be kind of. I don't know. It's interesting. That's right. And yeah. and you know they have the the idea of you know you're in heaven. You're surrounded by 
your family and friends and loved ones and you know everybody's rejoicing so that's a very peaceful beautiful image as well so yeah. I'd be like does that match up mm. that's cool I like that no it's a good conversation and at the end of the day uh, we're not saying these dreams are or are not visitations we're just saying you'd want that feeling and to talk about that aspect of it um because that's a question that you have in waking life, right? And I think that's very interesting because it helps promote a new perspective on life. And at the end of the day, new perspectives are always good because what we have now causes a lot of anxiety, causes a lot of fear. And so to switch that into something more loving, um, you know, that's always a, a beautiful thing. I want to touch on, I don't know how long we're doing this for, but it's kind of cool just chatting about just like random yeah, stuff, right? Like, I like to do this more often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I want to talk about, because we haven't really talked about my journey. When it comes to these dreams, I shared my first dream I had, but I've actually had an interesting journey when it comes to these dreams that I think people may want to know about some more. So most people, if you haven't heard, you can go back to the first podcast where we talked about, I think, my dream I had with my father, and I got the chance to say goodbye. So in a lot of the news articles and a lot of other podcasts and stuff, that's what I'm sharing. But there's also this other side that a lot of people don't actually hear which is kind of, you know, because you need time. And a lot of times time is valuable or words are valuable. So that was my first dream. The second dream I had was when it was about six months after his loss. And I had, I was in a, his minivan that he had, Safari or something. And we were driving to my grandma's house. And we both got out of the car and he walked around the other side and pointed to the house saying, she's doing okay without me. And I looked at him and I said, yeah. And I woke up. It's fascinating. I was like, that was it. But it was different because it wasn't based on my own loss anymore like the first dream was. It was based on my grandma's loss. I'm like, why would I? Like, it was just, it was interesting. Was there any, um, did, were you seeing your grandmother a lot that week? Or was there anything that might have triggered well, that? Or? Well, I knew, like, I had a, you know, a deep, um, I, was, I was close to her, right? And so I didn't understand that, like, this was someone who was very valuable to her. And she was in a hard time processing it on her own. Um, but she was also the type of grandma that wouldn't share her feelings. And so I know she was keeping a lot of it in. And my dad, you know, was, you know, one of those things she hung on to and clinged on to. So it was a huge loss for her. I knew that. And so, yeah, I was probably thinking about her at the time. And so that's probably maybe why it came up. Um, but sort of just when it did. All right, cool. So the next dream that I had in that series was in that same year. It was about three or four months after. And I was... Uh, in this almost waiting room, and it was all white. Everything was white, and the and I felt like I was waiting for someone. And it's almost like that Matrix scene where you know that before Morpheus comes out, everything's white. The person comes out, um, says, "You know, your dad will be here soon." I I get so excited, I wake myself up. And so that was like my first year. Those are the only three dreams I had, which was really interesting. But they shifted. I could see how they were changing. Um, before it was like my dad. Um, was coming to me in that sense. But then the last dream, I was actually in this waiting room, so I was actually going to heaven or whatever the afterlife. It was almost like I was going to where they were. And you see that every so often in these dreams. A lot of time it's like they're on, like they're coming to earth, I guess, right? Or people are, that's the, the scenery. But sometimes there are these dreams where they're meeting the deceased in a different place that they're going, like almost like you're foreign to. Um, so that, that's, that's the whole dream. And then I had a negative dream following that where my, uh, my dad was in my house. I was, and my dad was coming from the basement with a, you know, um, very angry look. And so I tried to close the door and he busted down the door and he was trying to, I believe he was trying to stab me with a knife. Um, and he kept, he kept missing. And then I woke up. And so it's like understanding that 
even though I had those comforting dreams, I also had this negative dream um, at, at that time. And so it is common to have both, you know, so it's, and then I had started having dreams after that where he was just in the background, you know, nothing, you know, I wouldn't say it was that vivid. He was just part of the character. So whatever the plot was, he was doing that plot. So it wasn't really anything spectacular. That's something like the beginning, the first three dreams were about. And so I sort of thought they more or less, um, they're fading. So I'm like, oh, like those first three dreams is almost like you're making new memories with the person because they're so vivid, nothing was bizarre, and I just had like a different feel. So I actually thought those dreams were dead. Like, oh, okay, that they just go away. And it was only last year, last couple months, I think it was like eight months ago or six months ago, I actually had a new dream. So there must've been like a three year gap there to have one of these dreams, which I thought was fascinating. And so this is the dream. He was in my room, the new room that I was at, and I just saw him in my room and he walks up to me and he says, is there anything I can do to help you? And I said, no dad, I got everything I need right now. I said, maybe in a year I might need a new computer. And that was it and he just smiled and said, okay, and I woke up. And it was, once again, it was very vivid, very real, nothing bizarre happened. But I'm like, wow, I just had one of those dreams that I had in my first couple of years of loss. I had now, it's been well, like eight years. So I'm like, why? You know, like I wasn't worried about finances. I wasn't, you know, I even told them, no, I'm good. So it was just like, I can't even explain that dream. Yeah. You know, but it was just a good dream that, you know, I just like took another look at. I'm like, wow, I'm, I was glad I had that dream. And people have this, right? So people have these, these shifts in their dreams, sometimes based on what's going on in life, but sometimes it's just, you can realize it's not about grief anymore and just as other aspect, almost just maintaining a bond that they're still there with you at that time. Because I said an answer about the computer, which I will need because I have a Mac right now and I've had it for three years now. And I know it's, it's almost time to get a new one. So I know that like legitimate to where I am in my waking state, but you know, I wasn't praying for it, I wasn't asking for it. So like why that dream, I don't know, but it was still kind of comforting at the end of the day. Yeah, that's interesting that your your father asked you, right? He came back. Yeah. But he's not totally there. It's almost like he was saying, like, he's slowly dissipating almost. Yeah. He just came back to say, um, hey, just want to check in and see if you need Yeah, that's basically it. He's like, check in after yeah. a long time, too. Yeah. I just thought I wanted to really share that because it was such an interesting dream. Because, said, once again, it's so different from the other ones. Do, what do you say to people who maybe view that middle dream, the anger dream, a little bit personally? You know, like, I don't know. like people... A lot of people, I think, they may have these dreams, but they don't share them because everyone wants to share the comforting ones because that's what they want to remember, right? So they share those, and that's a great thing. Um, but if you do have it, it's like understanding where you were in that process. So for me at that time, I was learning stuff about my past and my childhood that I didn't really look at prior. And I sort of took that dream, you know, not as a visitation or anything. I took it as where I was in my waking life to give me some answers. And even though I had that vividness quality to it, I didn't take it as a visitation dream, right? I just took it as, okay, how can I use this to help myself move forward? And so at that time, I was struggling with why I had a closed heart. It's a, it's a good way. Like, why did I have the tools I had now? What was holding me back from being like these people you see, you know, you know, um, with this open heart, like calm, collective, having this confidence. I never always had that, you know, like this is new, even for me to be able to speak with confidence in front of people. That wasn't really ever the case. And so that dream just really showcased me the trauma I suffered as a child based on how I was raised by my father. And so him with the knife, 
that was, he didn't actually physically try to, you know, cut me with a knife. But what that represented was that his behavior um, th through, as I was a child, really hindered me in, I think, becoming um, social with other people. He was such afraid of life that he put the fear in me. So I really kept arm's length from a lot of my friends. Um, and I felt almost like I didn't deserve friends and he would get angry if you brought friends over. So like, because he was so paranoid, that stuff filtered into me without me knowing it. And so I used that as a way to understand, oh, okay, so let's look at his belief system. Because I knew that, I knew who, who he was. I, I've you know, I talked to him for so long. Um, and analyze that and realize whoever he is, all that stuff would have been put into me because he raised me. It's not like he's changed, right? All those same, you know, he might be doing different behaviors, but the core of who he is and those fears and those models that he produced, um, that he had, he, though he hasn't actually worked on those. So all those did was carry forward through time. And so I used that as a way to understand if I was that guy, how would I have raised that child? Because my memories as a kid are, are just now hit and miss. I don't remember a lot until sort of grade seven, eight. So knowing that, I, I used that as a way to look back and see, okay, what were the things that he thought were helping me but actually are now hindering me? And, and man, a ton of stuff. So I learned a ton of stuff about that, which helped me move forward and realize, oh, that's not even my belief. Like I thought I was, you know... Um, afraid of people will steal stuff because people did. No, no one ever stole anything from me, but it's because he put that in me. So I didn't really, I believed his word as almost gospel, you know, like he was my God as a child. And I think a lot of people, we look up to our, our children. And so that in itself um, made me realize, oh, that's not even mine. So what is my belief? And so I re sort of looked at my core beliefs and realized a lot of them came from him. And that's how actually, because I started looking at them and changing them when it was when I felt appropriate, um, not not damning them or saying, "Oh, I hate you, Dad." I just said, "Oh, like you taught me the best you could based on your own models." But for me, I see life differently than you do based on my own experiences now, and so I can let those go. They served a purpose. They, you know, I'm still alive. They served a purpose. But what would I want to believe? And what do I know true to me? And so because of that, I was able to let go of that stuff. I gained more confidence and doing things I never thought I would do. And so that's sort of what that dream did for me moving forward. Yeah, it seems like it's, you know, you had to defrag. Like a computer would kind of eliminate maybe processes that are making it run slower. Yeah. Like that dream was there to bring out something that was making you run a little slower. That you yeah. get like a little virus in your computer software <laughs> operating in the background that you needed to get rid of, right? Yeah, and like I value dreams, so... As I was talking in the podcast, I don't value every dream, right? I think that's kind of, um, it's just a my thing. I have issues with that. But for this dream, it was so pronounced. Like, there's certain dreams I'll, I'll take a look at. And because I was searching for the answers of why I was the way I was, that dream gave me everything I needed in symbolism, right? Um, so, man, and here we are. So it's like, that's why I always like talking about even negative dreams with people because there's a lot you can get from them if you look at it in a certain way. You know, that's why I never look at these dreams that, oh, it's a visitation because it's pointless. What's that going to do? Just make you free to go to bed, you know? like <laughs> So let's use it as a way to see how could this be a part of what's going on in your loss. And I haven't had someone that had a negative dream, especially right away, that didn't have either guilt, regret, or something like that, negative emotion, um, because of their loss. Most of these negative dreams are coming because of some type of aspect of your loss. My dream of my dad wasn't about my loss, per se, and you can see that through the transitions of them. 
um, how only the first one was, but after that, they started to sort of balance out to something else. But this one was more based on what questions I was asking at that time. Um, but with most people in our culture, we really, we have the loss, we have this guilt, regret, and we sort of just push it away. And a lot of these negative dreams just bring it back up to say, hey, you still haven't dealt with this, right? You still need to look at this because it's hindering you to move forward. I have a question, actually. Um, based on your social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, do you get a lot of uh, questions regarding negative dreams or is it mostly positive dreams? Because I know with, so, with, with social media, uh, it's more of a happy place for people, even mm-hmm. though behind the scenes there's a lot going on. But it seems like Facebook, they put the happy face on, the smiley face, this mm-hmm. and that. So like in your experience, either of yeah. you, do you see a lot of negative? That's a good question. A lot yeah. of negative dreams? Yeah, uh, I said like at the end of the day, there's not as many of these negative dreams as there are positive ones. Well, people just aren't sharing them. But just even through my own research, I know it's like 10 to 20% or people are having these dreams. Uh, for the group, uh, yeah, most of them are comforting. Right. And I think people that are having negative dreams get discouraged sometimes because they don't go through the full feed. Right? There's you know hundreds of dreams on there now. They, they think everyone's just having these positive dreams and very comforting and they sort of can get jealous or they feel isolated themselves. But people are posting negative dreams on there. And I do, you know, I, said take, I really take the time to talk about those ones because I don't want any kind of misinformation. Right. Um, and some people will say, oh, it's the cease was trying, blah, blah, blah. And I always try to stay away from that. And so when it comes to negative dreams, I'm very cautious on what I say um, because I know it's, they're going to take it literally. And so even though other people may post, they see it as a visitation or whatever, right? They'll come up with some theory on why it's a visitation. I always go straight to, you know, what is it? Do you have any guilt? What's the symbolism sort of speaking? If that was my dream, sort of how would I in- internalize that? And I share that. And I ask questions based on, is it guilt? Do you have anger uh, issues? And those are the, you say one of those two things, you usually hit something on the nail. Um, or regret. So those three things, and they'd be like, yes, yeah. so be like, well, then that's just talking about that. And it kind of relieves that. And they thank me after because they, oh, I haven't seen, I haven't, like, I didn't think about it that way. But they've been holding on to it. But there's not a lot that are coming into the feed, say, like, out of probably out of 100 dreams, you're probably getting four, maybe, that people are right. sharing. Yeah. Well, the only reason I ask is because, like, you brought up the negative dreams, mm-hmm. and then the, I've had uh, negative dreams um, from my father. Um, and it's been like that for the last 10 years or so. They've all been negative dreams. Um, one example is me um, being in front of him. Mm. He's looking at me, but I'm saying hi, waving my hands, mm. and he just doesn't see me. So that, that was a negative dream, uh, and that's been a reoccurring mm. dream. Um, yeah, it's, but, a, it's a different one, right? Because it's not like they're dying again or they're chasing you. They're just ignoring you. Exactly. It's like I don't exist. Like mm-hmm. I'm not there. Yeah. Um, but uh, like speaking with you and, and Sean, learning to forgive, things like that. I, I've recently had a dream within the last, let's say, four months or so. Oh, first, let's, is he deceased? Is yes. He, okay. Yeah, my okay. dad, yeah, my father's there. deceased. Um, and um, within the last four months, I had a dream where he came to me. And in that dream, he said, uh, you know, I'm here for you if you need anything let me know i'm here to help you so it's like in my own sense like i forgave him for the negative that he's done and then he came back to me in my dream to say i'm here for you let me help you yeah wow he's like let me help you if you need anything i'm here for you if you want me to pay for your tv if you want me Mm. to pay for your couch i will do that for you wow that's amazing i think that just in that showcases that fact on like when you change your external thinking 
your dreams will change. So it gives you a lot of comfort and hope to process those negative emotions because it can lead to these positive dreams afterwards. So I just want to sort of take a quick step back. And so looking at those dreams of him ignoring you, why do you think that existed? Like, what was that to you? It was, why did he like, ignore me? Or, or yeah, why, like why do I think he would ignore me? Yeah, like in the imagery, what did you get from it to help you move forward? Or if you got anything? I didn't really get anything out of, mm. out of the imagery. I, I mean, I didn't know what was going on or why okay. he didn't see me. I didn't right. understand that. Um, from what I understood from, you know, getting, uh, you know, examples from, from both of you guys is basically that there was, the relationship wasn't there. So if the relationship wasn't there when he came to me in my dream, it, it was still not there. Right. So did he ignore you in waking life? Like, was that... It basically, yeah. You didn't feel heard in waking life? That's interesting, That's right? exactly so right. Like, because, like, it really sort of showcases that relationship, that bond you guys had. Right. You seeking relationship and him turning his back. That's exactly what it was. Wow. Not specifically Justin's, um, uh, what he was talking about with his father, but, which is actually my uncle. But, um, <laughs> but... Parents in general, I feel like, you know, growing up as a child, you know, your parents' voice is in your head, obviously, because they're trying to raise you and maybe they do things that, you know, they're trying to safeguard you from hazards and whatnot. Sometimes maybe they go a little bit too much. You know, you never know what you're doing, whether you're building resiliency or whether you're actually breaking down your kid, right? Like, that's, that's the... You know, go ahead. Well, that's the thing too, right? I mean, I, I've had dreams with my mother who's who's alive, and I've had this same exact mm. dream. Interesting. Um, I don't have a relationship with my mother, mm. so and that's now I understand. Like now I get where the dream is coming from. I mean, there's no. Um, I remember the one dream actually. I same situation. Um, my mother came to me in my dream. She's she's still alive though. She came to me in my dream, and I was helping her doing her grocery shopping and mm. and things like that it's just it's so it's so surreal like like it's in your dream but it's like you know but there's still no relationship with my mother mm. but that dream came to me as if there was a relationship like maybe I want that relationship I think we all do like we want our parents to love us like there's just I think something in us that you know like they raised us and I think throughout our lives we want them we value them as I said like a value I saw my dad as God you know like I I kept long hair throughout elementary school because he thought it was cool because he had long hair. So I wanted to impress him, you know? And so that, I think that boy or that in us, that kid in us is always somehow looking for what it didn't get as a child. And we go out there, we maybe find a spouse or relationships or whatever, friends, to try to fill that void, but it's never the same. You know, as much as they say, you know, when you're a teen and when you go older, you forget about your family. I don't think you ever really do. I think it just morphs. So what you're looking for just morphs into like the external behavior. Um, fitting in or being liked, all that sort of stuff. But deep down, you're still looking for approval or looking for what you didn't get from your parents. And so I think these dreams, especially the forgiveness one was really cool. But with your mom, it's like, yeah, it's something that you're longing for. And if you're dreaming of that, there's something that needs to be acknowledged, I think, in your waking life about that, you know, and come to terms that you didn't get what you wanted in the past as a child. And you're still not getting that. And how do you feel about not getting that in the future, right? And those are two, like three big topics that you'd have to sit down and talk about with someone as you move forward. But it's a beautiful that you can look at a dream to see, to see that, right? So even though it's positive, some people are like, oh, it's so amazing. But really, it's just showcasing what you're lacking. And I think a lot of times in life, we don't give ourselves a time to actually sit with the reality of who we are, but who the people are around us. You know, we tend to sort of suppress that or think, oh, things will change or, you know, we just put our attention on other things. But to really sit down with the 
the suffering that we face because of sometimes what we're seeking that we're not getting. And I think that might be one of the reasons why people don't share those dreams mm. is because they're maybe embarrassed, shamed a little bit. Like they wouldn't want to show their maybe parents in a negative light yeah. because that's not who they are and they yeah. know that. Yeah. And I maybe they think sharing that dream might you know reveal a different side to other people or something yeah. or or they you know they completely believe in all that mm. and they think that their parents are telling them word for word to do something you know what i mean like right, yeah, some yeah, people yeah. get like different dreams that i've read where well you know my let's just say father came up to me and he was mad because i was doing this so i'm not mm. going to do this anymore or yeah. you know something like yeah, that yeah yeah and it's very interesting yeah people can change your behavior based on how they see the dream so it's always good to look at what are you doing in waking life um, and is that even necessary or is that just trying to, you know, tell you something different? But when it comes to, I think, sharing these negative dreams, I think the things people fear the most is people asking follow-up questions. Because now you're making it more real, you know? Like, I'm amazed that you could share that. It's, it takes a lot of courage to share these, these dreams and open up about our parents because we do. We protect them, you know, because we, we, uh, we love them and we want to... Like we said, well, that child, right? We want to all like try to do the best for them, for for to get that approval from them. Um, so sharing this stuff, you're opening up a wound that says, you know, my life isn't maybe what you think it is. And so if you, if I follow, like if, I, if someone gave that dream to me, I would ask follow up questions. And I think some people who are not ready, they won't share that dream because of that. Absolutely. So this has been good. So I don't know, like, I don't know, like, how long has it been? Like an hour and something, yeah. right? No, it's been solid. Yeah. yeah. So I think we should probably wrap this up. But I think this is good. And I think we should continue doing these catch-up episodes where we talk about our lives, uh, how things have changed since. Because I think it's so cool. And there's such a drastic shift in both of our lives. I know even for you, like, I see the confidence in you wanting to do the podcast more, like really getting excited about this. And like, and that's something I've seen, but I'm seeing it to a new level. Like there's just like, I feel that like you believe you're a podcaster now. You know? 100%. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like no, I feel yeah. like more confident about doing this stuff now than I, enjoy I did it. before. I really enjoy it. I take a lot of joy out of it. And, you know, it's just it's stuff I like to do, stuff I like to talk about and, and learn about, and especially the guests and, and what have you. And, and Josh, working with you is easy. It's yeah. easy. <laughs> what do you think about the uh, Coast to Coast when I shouted your name out? Oh, man, it was great. The whole thing was great. What did you feel? I was impressed. I was proud, It was the first time your name was on air. Right. Well, I was more yeah. proud for you because yeah. I was like, man, this guy's that's amazing. It's amazing how smooth you were. It, folks, <laughs> if you have a chance, listen to the Coast to Coast radio program. It's on the, uh, I, I'm assuming, Coast to Coast website. Yeah, if you go on the Grief Dream thing and you go to, like, different media stuff, you can see there's a link to uh, the Coast to Coast website where you can see that. Um, you have to pay to listen to that. I just found out, though, that if you go on YouTube and type Grief Dreams Coast to Coast, uh, my thing will come up. So that's a free way to do it. Excellent. If you guys want a good introduction into this, if your first time listening to this topic, if you've never even, you just happen to stumble upon this podcast, go to the Coast to Coast website, listen to the program. That's a great introduction. Go check out our earlier podcast. That'll give you a great introduction to Grief Dreams. Check out griefdreams.ca, and that'll give you another uh, insight into what the work is that Josh Black and I are doing. And before we sign off, I just want to sort of make an announcement. We are trying to get Sean to have a consistent sign off. <laughs> and if you've known, if you're like a regular listener, if you go back to all the episodes, he's had a different sign off every episode. 
That's right. So if you have any suggestions, you could uh, add that to the Facebook group or email me or something because uh, I'm clueless, folks. Uh, okay, so that's it. So here we go. Sean, I know I'm putting you on the now spot. Now I'm on the spot. I have here we go. Well, first I'd like to tell people to go on Instagram. You can find the Grief Dreams uh, page or, I don't know, page or whatever their account. Yeah. Go on a Facebook group. Uh, you can join the Grief Dreams uh, Grief Dreams group there. Uh, a lot of great conversations happening, happening all the time. I feel like Donald Trump. It's all happening. It's all going down. It's all fabulous. Um, griefdreams.ca is a website. You can find the podcast at podbeam.com. Find it on iTunes as well. And, and here uh, we go, folks. And yeah, this is it. The end of the night. Good night, everybody. I'm saluting. All right, this is terrible. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> beginning beginning